The scripture today is Galatians 2.20. Please read with me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's already on. Good morning, church family. Happy Sabbath. In some regards, it's kind of like being home. (laughs) Uh, In case you don't know me, I'm Scott, and my wife Karen is over here. And we have five beautiful daughters. At least I'm somewhat biased, but five beautiful daughters. And uh, we used to attend here. We spent a lot of time here. And then the Lord called us to church plant in Middleton, and some of you in the audience church planted with us in Middleton, and now we're heavily involved in Monroe. But like I said, it feels like coming home. Amen. It always gives me goosebumps when I prepare a sermon, and then I see how God arranges everything else to kind of just let the whole thing flow. You just sense the spirit. I don't know who picked out those songs, but thank you. They tie in beautifully with the, the message. Steve, that deeply touched me. What a beautiful prayer. I'm so sorry for your loss. But we claim the promise that we will what? Be reunited with our loved ones, right? So blessings on that. Thank you for the children's story. That was beautiful. Very short to the point. I really like that. And then thank you for the music. I don't sing, so I always appreciate music. All right, so where are we going to go with this? As you can see, the title today is I Just Want to Be a Sheep. So I'm going to guess in this audience, there are some former pathfinders, right? Or current pathfinders. And you probably know this song by heart. In fact, I almost thought I'd make you sing it, but I won't do that. So I'll read through it. I just want to be a what? I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. What is it? And I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. All right. Now you know why I don't sing. All right. So what else? I don't want to be a what? Nope. I don't want to be a goat. No. Always living with what? No hope. Nope. I don't want to be a goat. But you know the rest of it, right? What's another one? Because they're not, and I don't want to be a what? Because they're what? They're so sad. And I don't want to be a what? Because they're what? Never living it. Interesting. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this Sabbath day. Thank you for all that you've done for us. This is your house. You've said we're two or three gathered together. You'll be right here among us. We've come, Father, to be fed because we're your sheep. We've also come, Father, to hear your voice. And sometimes that voice is hard to, uh, to take because sometimes it's, it's convicting and sometimes it's uplifting and sometimes it's both. So I pray, Father, that whatever you want to say to your flock, 
you will speak through me to them. Anoint my lips and my mind. Let me be your voice today, and may your people be blessed, and may it all draw us closer to you, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Jesus is ending his ministry on earth. It is the week before Passover, before he's going to give his life on the cross. He comes in Matthew 21, he comes into Jerusalem riding on an unbroken colt, symbolizing the fact that he is calling himself the Messiah, the Savior of the Jews. He comes in and he chases the money changers out of the temple again for the second time. He leaves, goes to Bethany, comes back the next morning, and the religious rite of the day, the Pharisees, are all over him. The religious left of the day, the Sadducees, are all over him. By what right are you doing this? Whose authority are you chasing people out of the temple? What audacity. Who do you think you are? Jesus answers their questions in such a way it silences them. They don't have a thing to say. And then he gathers his disciples, the rest of the people around him, and the Pharisees that stuck around, and he goes into a blistering discourse about what true spirituality is and what it isn't. He lays into the Pharisees and he lays into the Sadducees. In fact, what do you see here? Matthew 23, he says what? Don't be a Pharisee. All they what? They say one thing and they do another. They are hypocrites. Nearly everything they do is for show. They love the best seats in the house. They love to be called rabbi. They are roadblocks to others spiritually because they do one thing and they want others to do another. They take advantage of widows. They're blind guides. They pay tithe of mint, anise, cumin, but neglect the weightier matters of the law, which is what? Justice, mercy, and truth. They're like a clean cup on the outside, but they're filthy on the inside. They're like whitewashed tombs. You admire the prophets, and yet you kill the what? The very ones I send you. And you're planning to kill me. He didn't say that, but all right. Your house is left to you desolate. And then this is the crowning words. You outwardly appear what? Righteous to men, but inwardly you are what? Now, is that pretty blunt? That's pretty blunt. Obviously, he's making a point. He's rocking their boat for a reason. All right? He's getting their attention. And what about the Sadducees? They are sad because they don't believe in what? The resurrection. So all they're doing is living for the here and now. And he condemns them for what? Having an attitude of just existing and doing what you do for your own self. So... The disciples are pretty distraught, as you can imagine, because they've been taught from very young 
the epitome of religiosity is what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're the religious leaders. If they don't have it together, who's got it together? And so in a desperate attempt, as they're leaving the temple, they said, surely salvation comes to the temple. If it's not the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it's got to be the temple. And Jesus really cuts them to the quick again. And he says, hey, you think these buildings are beautiful? You think salvation comes to the temple? I tell you what, verily I say unto you that there shall not be what? Left here one stone that's on top of the other. The temple's going to go away. You can't put your faith and trust in a building or the sacrifices. Now the disciples are just devastated. You've just told us what? The religion of the Pharisees and the Sadducees are worth nothing. You've just told us it's not the building. It's not the sacrificial system. You're rocking our boat pretty hard. And then they get him on the side of the Mount of Olives and they have this honest discourse. And they ask him a few pointed questions and here they are. When will these things be that you're talking about? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus just very openly and candidly outlines the sequence of time and events that will proceed before the second coming. Let's just do a quick review. He says what? There's going to be false Christ. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. One nation is going to rise up against another nation. A kingdom versus a kingdom. There's going to be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, abomination of desolation that is a national Sunday law according to Daniel. There's going to be Christian persecution. There's going to be close betrayals. There's going to be Christian martyrdom. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be lawlessness. Israel's going to be destroyed as a nation, and I'm going to make a new Israel, a spiritual Israel. And I'm going to make a new priesthood, and it's going to be a spiritual priesthood. And he rocks their boat. So, Jesus goes on to summarize some of the things that are going to take place. He says what? Through a series of parables and historical accounts, you can know when the second coming is very near, even at the door. And in verse 32, he says, it's going to be like a fig tree. When you start seeing the leaves on the fig tree, know that Jesus is coming because summer's coming. Just like that. You know summer's coming when the leaves show up. You know Jesus is coming when these signs appear. He says, no one knows the days or the hour, but there will be signs. It's going to be like the days of Noah. Everyone's going to be preoccupied with the things going on in their lives, giving and taking and business as usual. Two men will be in the field. One will be ready, one will not. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be ready and one will not. There's going to be bad servants that take advantage of the people that work for them. There's going to be good servants that take care of their family and the people that work for them. There's going to be two of these contrast. And then he really gets pointed. And he tells them about an actual event that the disciples and him watched. It was a wedding feast between a 
bridegroom, the church, and the, and the groom. Let's look at this. David, would you read that out loud so I save my voice? But what happened? All 10 were sleeping, but five had the what? Extra oil. Extra oil. Let me go back because I'm missing one. Would you complete that, David? But he, well, he's really kind of unloading the truck, isn't he? What's he saying? It's not the Sadducees. It's not the Pharisees. It's not the temple. You can profess all you want. <laughs> it's not lip language. It's not lip religion. I want something much deeper. I want someone who knows the word of God, and I want someone who has the spirit of God that makes the word of God, what? Relevant and practical to your life. He's given it to him, all right? Let's go on. Then he tells them the story about the, what? Talents. What do you know about the talents? He gives what? A servant's going away on a journey. He gives one servant what? Five talents. He gives another one two talents, and he gives another one one talent. And what does he tell them to do with the talents? Go do something with them. <laughs> go do something with them, all right? Go make money with them, or go be a blessing with them. But use the talents for what? Expanding my kingdom. So some of you are doctors. Some of you are maybe a lawyer here. You may be a plumber. You may be a mechanic. I don't care what you are. You are disguised as a missionary using that occupation. God says, I've given you talents to reach a certain group of people. Wherever that is, you're a missionary disguised as your occupation. He's just getting started, though, because now he's reaching the climax of his discourse. And it's found in Matthew 25, 31, and 46. It's called the great separation, and it's called what? The sheep and the goats. It's no longer parables. It's no longer analogies. This is what's going to happen when I show up. I'm giving you a heads up. This is what it's going to look like when I sit on my throne and I come back to earth. This is how you're going to be judged. Someone read that out loud, someone with a good voice. Can I pick on someone? Go ahead.
That's a good voice. Thank you, Josh. All right, what's going on? I want you to get this. This is a very important point. Jesus says, I don't care if you're black and white. I don't care if you're pink and purple. Because when I come, there's only going to be two groups of people. They're They're represented by sheep and goats, but there's two classes of people. Though there are so many races, nationalities, ethnicities, colors, and cultures, the human race is going to be divided into what? Two groups, and they're called sheep, and they're called goats. Okay? Uh, I hate to break this to us because sometimes we're fairly exclusive, but there's not Baptists, (laughs) there's not Catholics, there's not Lutherans, there's not Adventists. God says, I either got a sheep or a goat on my hands. All I'm looking for is sheep or goats. That's how I classify them. And how does he classify a true sheep? Denny, can you read that out loud? Can you see that good from there? Pardon? Thank you, Denny. What do you think of that? That's interesting. So what do you think? Is this what it boils down to? Is this the plan of salvation? Being a sheep or a goat? If I read it right, it is. All right? But what do sheep and goats have to do with salvation? Don't you, aren't you curious? What do sheep and goats have to do with me being saved or lost? How do I know if I'm a goat? I'm fairly paranoid now. I don't want to be a goat. All right? What if I'm a goat and I don't even know it? What if you're sitting here thinking you're a sheep and you're a goat? That's pretty sobering. So how do you know if you're a sheep or you're a goat? Well, I had to do a little research. Why did Jesus use sheep and goats? It's got to be in there for a reason. All right, so let's do a little research. What does sheep look like today in North America? I call on you because I want to keep you awake. (laughs) So I do expect an answer back, all right? What does sheep look like in North America? They look like a sheep, yes, but give me the definition of a sheep. They're white. They're fluffy, right? All right, but we bred them that way. In Asia, Africa, places where the true breeds are still there, you can't tell a difference hardly between a sheep and a goat. In fact, only the shepherd can tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. But we've bred them so that they look like white, fluffy, and they're dumb as a rock. All right? So here's what I found out about sheep and see if you think Jesus is trying to tell us something by sheep and goats. So let's take a comparison of the characteristics of sheep and goats. So we'll start with the sheep. What do you know about sheep? Uh, Obviously, they've been bred to be really fluffy and white and fairly helpless, right? But what else? They are, oops, I got the goat up there. Let's go back to the sheep. What else do you know about sheep? 
Amen. And they are so trustworthy, they'll follow a shepherd wherever he leads them. In fact, they'll even follow a bad shepherd because they're so trusting. So make sure you know who you're following. What else do you know about sheep? They exhibit a gregarious behavior. What do I mean by that? They like hanging out with others. They like being in a flock. They gain comfort and strength from being in a flock. Similar to what? Cows and horses. They love to follow a shepherd because they like the sense of comfort that they get from the shepherd. They like his voice. What else? Shepherds protect them from what? Dangers, predators, the environment, eating bad stuff. What else do you know about sheep? I didn't know this. They cannot drink out of a fast-moving stream. They have to drink water out of still waters or it messes them up and they won't drink, all right? So they need still waters to drink from. Sheep do not like drama. They see a wolf and they just almost drop dead, all right? They do not like drama, all right? Now, what is this? What are the characteristics of a goat? What's Jesus trying to tell us about goats? Mischievous. <laughs> Come on. Talk to me. What else are they? Obstinate, stubborn. You're being nice. What else are they? They like drama. They thrive on drama. They are disobedient. But they're also fairly bright. They're inquisitive. All right? Have you ever seen sheep with their head outside of the pasture fence? In fact, most of the times you see them outside of the fence because they cannot stand being in the fence. They do not like to be what? Contained. They are masters of getting out of gates, fences, you name it. There's an old saying that you can keep what? If you've got a fence that'll keep in a horse or a cow, you don't have a fence because goats are outside of it, all right? If your fence doesn't hold water, it can't hold a goat because they'll find a way to get out. All right? They'll work tirelessly to spring themselves, themselves from any situation that's inhibiting. They're independent. They're opinionated. They're curious at best. They're vulgar, dangerous, and destructive at worst. All right, so this is not a history lesson on sheep and goats. Jesus had to have a spiritual application of what he means with sheep and goats, right? What do you think the spiritual application is of the sheep and goats? Let's go find out. What are the characteristics of a sheep? I don't know if you know it, but maybe this is something to do this afternoon. There's 21 Bible verses that talk about being a shepherd or being a sheep or a combination thereof, okay? We're gonna look at just a few of them. Brandon, can you read that from there? He says, what? I want you to call me Father. I want you to know that what? We're his people. We feed in his pasture. And what else? And the sheep, we're sheep of your hands. Someone else. Elizabeth, can I put you on the spot? I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I'm a shepherd and I'm coming looking for you. It's a beautiful promise. What else? 
Paul, can you, can you say it from back there? Yeah, Paul, big Paul, or little Paul, I guess. <laughs> Paul, Paul Fiorello, all right. one of the most famous Bible, Bible verses in the Bible, right? But have you ever kind of tore it apart a little bit and looked a little deeper? What is Jesus saying in Psalms 23 through his inspired servant, David? He says what? You choose me as your shepherd and these are the things you can expect. You shall not want. The next one, he says, I'm gonna make you lie down in green pastures. I'm gonna lead you beside still waters. What else am I going to do? I'm going to restore your soul from wherever you've been. What else is he going to do? He's going to lead us in the right path. I don't know about you, but I don't know what path to take most of the time. I'm like a dumb sheep. You know, I pray, God, give me directions. Proverbs, what? You know, ask God for wisdom and direction. What else does he say? He leadeth me in the path of righteousness even when you go through hard times, Steve, even when you go through hard times, Jesus promises to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm with you. I feel your pain. I've been there. I'm walking with you. He never leaves us alone. What else does he say? Thy rod and thy staff. Those are what? Offensive weapons. I'll take care of you. My rod and my staff, I got you. What else does he say? Thou preparest a table in the presence of my enemies. He says, I'm going to take care of you even when your enemies come after you. What else? You anoint my head with oil. What else? My cup runneth over. You're blessed. And what else? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Uh, shall I? It is. Amen. You know what? The shepherd is so crazy, he leaves 99 safe sheep in a fold and he goes, looks for the one that is lost. That sounds like crazy until you're the lost one. And then you are so glad he came to what? Look for you. I know some of your stories. You know my story. Sometimes he goes a long ways to find us, doesn't he? Sometimes we are pretty lost. Next one. Who can I pick on? Christine? Amen. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus is not only your shepherd, he became a lamb. Because he wanted to give you an example of what a lamb looks like, talks like, acts like. And he didn't expect you to get that by yourself. He's going to give you an example. So he comes here to earth and he shows us what a lamb looks like. But more than that, he earns the right to be your shepherd. He earns the right to be your shepherd. All right, what's the spiritual application of goats? 
just really obedient and well-behaved and just happy to go along, right? What's the spiritual application of goat? A goat doesn't follow anyone. In fact, the goat herder chases the goats and tries to corral them. The goat herder is always behind the goats, never in front of them. He's chasing the goats or trying to direct them. All right? What else? Goats don't graze. They browse. They go wherever they want. They could have a whole field of green grass, and that's not good enough. They're going to go find something else. They browse. What else? If we are allowing ourselves to be led, being sensitive to the pull of God's spirit, and following the path of our shepherd, you would guess you are a sheep. All right? If we are headstrong, going our own way, and pulling back against God's spirit, we probably are... Oh, you guys are bright. All right. That seems pretty obvious, right? What else about goats? Have you ever seen a... Pardon? They want to be on top. In fact, if you've ever watched a goat, his tail is straight up, and he walks like he's the what? Prima donna of whatever's going on around him, right? He's got what? A spiritual arrogance about him, all right? Not only that, but have you ever been around a goat? I grew up on a farm. Goats stink. They have an odor about them. Unlike the Pharisees, nobody wanted to be near them. They smelled of spiritual arrogance. So be careful. You don't want to be goat because you probably smell. All right? All right, so let's get personal. What would we call a Christian who wants to take over, has trouble functioning in a group, and does not want to be led? Lost. Lost, or a, a, goat. a goat that's lost. All right. All right, so how are you feeling? I kind of throw up my hands and I think I'm part goat and I'm part sheep. Depending on the day, depending on the hour, I'm, I've got both of these guys in me. All right? Sometimes we're goats and sometimes we're sheep. All right? I'm going to share four statements with you that have come to me a whole lot to me. In fact, my Christianity is coming down to these four quotes. I no longer worry about doctrine. I love our doctrines. I love our church. But these next four quotes are the essence of what I believe is Christianity. Oh, before I leave goats, do you think it's by chance or ironic that the emblem for Satanism is a person with a goat's head? Most people in that community say, not me. I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be a goat. All right, four quotes. Uh, someone take the first one. I don't see behavior listed there. I don't see core doctrines listed there. What is she saying is the essence of what? All sin. Selfishness. Selfishness. Next one. The greatest battle that has ever been fought by man is the surrender of self. Your Christian experience comes down to this. Every day, every time you interact with your spouse, every time I interact with my children, self wants to rise. Have you been there? Your wife says something that's so irritating and you just want to jump down her throat? Your child does something that doesn't meet your expectations? Where do you want to go? You want to go south because what? Self is rising up and wants to exhibit itself, right? 
It's the essence of Christianity. Do I die to my own selfish nature? Next one. Please, don't be shy. Someone pick it. Self-surrender is the substance of the teachings of Christ. Whoa. Did you catch that? Self-surrender is the essence of everything that Jesus taught. Self-surrender. Next one. Whoa. We're getting down to kind of the basis of Christianity, aren't we? What is it? It's not Pharisees. It's not Sadducees. It's not the temple. It's not the church. It's not what you profess. It's self-surrender. So how do you become a sheep? I mean, how do you become a sheep? All right. I think that's our goal. We're all sitting here in God's house. We want him to be our shepherd. How do you become a sheep? I found these, I don't know, five, seven points. You got to get in God's word every day. That's your food. You're no longer eating grass like a sheep, but you need to eat God's word, right? 15 minutes, 20 minutes, do it an hour. All right, but you got to eat God's word every day. What else do you got to do? You got to take time to pray. How are you going to hear the shepherd's voice if you don't talk to him? And then you got to shut up. So many times I just tell the Lord, it's just an unconscious stream of verbiage. I never shut up and listen to ask him to speak to me. Do you know what? He'll speak to you. I swear on the honor that I'm sitting here preaching, I've heard God's voice when I've prayed. And I've asked him for direction, where to go, what to do. He has told me things through that small voice that impresses you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to direct you. You've got to listen, though. You got to take time what? Memorize scripture. So many times he speaks to you through his scriptures. He'll give you a word in season, but you've got to have read it. What else? Oh, this is a hard one. I live here. Do you know how many difficult people come into my life on a daily basis? All right, do you know how many difficult people? All right, accept life's trial as God's what? Ways of perfecting your character. Everything that comes into your life, there's a quote by Christ's object lesson, everything that comes into your life is allowed by Jesus. They cannot touch you unless Jesus allows it. That's given me great courage. Nothing comes into my life unless Jesus has allowed it, either for my character development or for the blessing of others. Always, always remember what? You were lost once. Be a shepherd. Go find someone that's lost. I'm going to get really honest. My Christianity has become so basic. Do you know what I pray every morning now? Seriously, I pray it every morning. Jesus, help me to love you more today than I did yesterday. Because I believe that's the essence of my Christianity. Help me to love you more today than I did yesterday. All right? What's this say? Peter is a goat. <laughs> There's many days that Peter acts like a goat. He's opinionated, he's stubborn, he does what? He's a leader of men, but he has not been what? Broken or crucified. He has not surrendered self for the most part. He has some good days, but man, he is still full of self. All right? Finally, after Jesus tells him he's going to what? You're going to deny me three times. Peter says, I am not. I'll go to the what? I'll go to my death. I'm not going to what? Deny you. Jesus says, you're going to deny me. 
and he does deny him. Jesus finds him on the what? Shore. They're fishing. They're out in the boat. They come in, and Jesus has a very, very personal conversation with them around the campfire. And he says, Peter, <laughs> do you love me more than these guys? It doesn't go there. He says, you know me. Peter, do you love me more than these guys around you? Peter doesn't rise to the bait. Not going there. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? He's getting to the crux of Peter. He says, Peter, you've been a goat for a long time. You've got a lot of goat characteristics. I want to know if you finally are broken. I want to know if you're self-surrendered. And if you are, I'm going to make you a shepherd. But I can't have you being a shepherd until you're broken because you're going to misrepresent me. You're going to run around acting like a goat and professing you're what? A sheep. It doesn't work. People will be offended by the smell you put off. I need to know that you're broken. I need to know that you're surrendered. That's the test of discipleship. That's what I find in the Bible. He's testing Peter to find out, are you ready to be a shepherd? Why does he want Peter to be a shepherd? Why does he want us to be broken? How then can they call on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You are saved. You have become a sheep only to become transitioned into a shepherd to save others. In fact, get this. Jesus says what? Look at the people around you. And he was moved with compassion about all the people around them. All right? He had compassion on them because they were confused. They were lost. All right? They were helpless. Folks, we walk around people all day, all week, that are lost, confused, and what? Helpless. What else? Get a load of this. He says, I need you to be shepherds because I've got other sheep. And they're in all sorts of places. They could be, they could be in whatever denomination he chooses they're in. Right? They could be anywhere. They could not even be professing Christianity. They may not even be in church. Jesus says, I know where my sheep are. I need a shepherd to go talk to them. All right? He'll direct you who you should talk to, when you should go, and how you should interact with them. You need to pray for wisdom so that you have the right words to share when that opportunity exists. He's going to bring people out of every denomination. He's going to bring people out of the woodwork that will join his what? Flock. And that flock is what? Those people who are surrendered and are listening to his voice. What else? Oh, all right, he's going to send you out. It's not going to be an easy job, right, Dan? Would you read that? What, do you, what does that say? I am sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Be as worried as serpent, harmless Not an easy job. You're not always going to be loved. But you what? I'm telling you, I got to have you go out, okay? But be smart about it. Be tactful, all right? Be surrendered. I'm going to close with this. 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Take this home to the Take this home with you today. Take it to the bank. They can't touch you because you're a part of Jesus' flock. All right? Now, you may go through hard times. You may even lose your life here on earth, but they cannot take you from the kingdom of God. God says, you surrender your life, you stay with me, and I promise you, you'll be in heaven with me, and you'll graze and you'll live in a mansion, and you'll experience life at such a rich level, you'll never regret being a sheep. Joining me as a shepherd, you're going to love life as we do it. But we got to get there. So as we sing this last song, I want you to contemplate, what's it look like in your life to become a sheep? What do you got to give up? I'm not here. I'm not telling you what to do. What do you got to give up? Where's Jesus putting his finger on your life and saying, this is not right. I need you to give this up. I want you to surrender this. And then I want you to become a shepherd. And then you need to find out where he wants you to be a shepherd at. So we're going to close here. We're going to sing our song and then I'll have closing prayer. Please stand and join us. Sinner slain for sin.
Will you bow your heads with me? Dimly Father, we don't know how many worlds are out there, um, but really, maybe there's 99. But for whatever reason, your heart was moved with compassion and you decided you didn't want to see the humankind race perish. And so in the heart of a shepherd, you became a sheep. And you came down here and lived on life, Father, to, look, to help us to understand what a surrendered sheep looks like, to how to have compassion on others, 